You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing. And that's a really good word today for the rain that we've had a couple of days ago. But we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice, brimming with the water. And I'm Stevie Molsoff, and I floated up here. Yeah. <laughs> and today we're bringing you another uh, episode of our bi monthly discussion of what's going on in real estate here in Kansas City called Today's Dream. This is Today's Dream for April 1st, 2022. April Fool's Day. <laughs> All right. Happy spring. So uh, we've had some rain, uh, and I want to go straight into sump pumps, and there's a reason why. This is because our studio is in the basement, and there is a sump pump, and it's going to start making noise. So uh, we'll hear it every once in a while during the podcast, most likely, even though it's not raining at the moment. Perfect timing for our listeners just to think about this in their own homes, because sump pumps are oftentimes overlooked. Some people know about them. Some people don't. Some people know whether they have a battery backup. Some people have power go out and end up with a flooded basement. Just a few of the things that sump pumps bring to mind. So I think it's a pretty good topic, at least to start out with today, is just some of the things, you know, we're in April showers, bring in May flowers. So some of the things that we need to be thinking about in terms of our home and rain. So sump pumps, uh, what what in the world is a sump pump? So let's start there. So um, what happens, I, mean, I almost have to sort of get into what's holding up your house, because I think when you start talking about cutting a hole in the concrete in your basement, people start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. And so um, what's holding up your house is the, uh, the, the side walls of your foundation and then any uh, various, various places where there'll be uh, posts or poles that are holding up a beam. These areas are dug way below the frost line. And I forget what that is here in Kansas City. I think, I don't know, 36 inches, 42 inches? I don't know, something like that. I have no clue. And then that concrete is poured separately. They're called footings. And then the basement part of your concrete is just kind of a floating slab that's usually only about four inches thick. Mm -hmm. So underneath this slab usually ends up a cavity, right? Just some, some empty space because, again, it's not holding up your house. And so what a sump pump does is pumps water from this space underneath your home, right, through whatever piping you have, and hopefully well away, I think six feet is what it's supposed to be, something like that, uh, away from your home. So it's taking water from underneath the foundation, which if left unchecked could cause problems, and pumping it outside, you know, out onto the grass, into the yard, whatever, where it can be saturated, not hopefully near your away foundation. from the foundation, because yeah. I have seen a fair number of some pumps just pump out right at the foundation, which essentially right. is people doing knock nothing. off knock off the long tubing or whatever, or cut the it off the lawn guy because they don't want it there. Why do I have this here? Or my other favorite <laughs> one is when I see the tubing in, in in homes that are close to each other going right over by the neighbor's foundation. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorites too. So yeah, that'll get you in trouble. Oops. Um, so they run, uh, they're activated by water. Water activates them. And then all of a sudden you hear this thing. And depending on where you are in your house and how well insulated it is, you'll hear water. And then if it's pu- pumping up, which it typically does, up before it's out, there's always a little bit of water that comes back down. So then you hear that water rushing back down. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> 
These are thoughts of Eric's. I don't worry about all this stuff, honestly. I don't have a sump pump, so. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, that's another great point, Stevie, is that not all homes have sump pump. It really depends on the lay of your home. For example, Eric kind of has a wall in the front that's a little bit more built up to where water could kind of come down to this area. If your house is up on the top of the hill, for example, and the creek is down from you, you're probably not going to have a sump pump. You may still have a sump pump, but the likelihood is if your house is built pretty far up, um, depending on probably the sea level and all kinds of things that we look at, you may not have a sump pump. So it's not the end all. If you don't have one, these are just some some informi- informative pieces. I can't talk either. The rain has made me not be able to talk. Um, I'm, a, I'm the sound person today, sound effects. I've been doing all these sound effects. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I, think, yeah. I wonder too if it, it depends on the age of your home. My house was built in 1978. Do you know when they started kind of more putting in sump pumps? You know, it's it's certainly certainly more common in uh, modern homes. Uh, but no, I don't. You know what? I'll let me look that up. Well, um, so tell me about or Jen or or, or Stevie, start talking about battery backups. I so don't know. the battery <laughs> backup it, and the reason this came up uh, earlier, we haven't short conversation about it. I had a home with a pressure relief valve, um, which controls the water pressure in your house, can be affected by a lot of things, went bad, and the alarm to the sump pump would not stop going off. And what we found after a couple hours of investigation was the pressure relief valve had gone bad, but it was causing that battery backup alarm to go off continuously and we could not get it shut off so like a car battery for example can be set to your sump pump that way if you have a power outage which frequently happens in downpours and rain and thunderstorms if you have the power go out and you have a battery backup it's going to keep that sump pump working because let's face it, what's the point of the sump pump if the power goes out and it's not pumping the water out anymore? The other thing that you can set the alarm for is GFI alarms because frequently sump pumps near water are attached to an outlet that's a GFI. So that if, you know, the, the, the GFI water, trips. yes, yeah. the GFI trips and then your sump pump again will not work if that GFI has tripped and it is near water. So that could be, you know, code in that particular area, something like that. But again, having that alarm where if you know that power is not going to the sump pump is going to be fail safe number one. And then that battery backup will be fail safe number two. So you would have a couple of ways that your sump pump would keep working even during a power outage, which is going to potentially keep your basement from flooding. Now, at the beginning of that, you mentioned this weird scenario you had in a house where the pressure regulator, which is something that's on your main water line. I think I said pressure relief valve. And thank you for correct. It's a pressure correct. relief valve. Yeah, that yeah. it is the pressure regulator. So just right. to clear that up, uh, pressure relief valve is on your hot water heater. So correct. sorry for that yeah. confusion. And pressure regulator is on your main water line that comes into the house to regulate the pressure in your house. But my point was going to be is, is that anybody who knows a little bit about how the water works in your house, that makes absolutely no sense, and we all agree with that. We've been scratching our heads trying to figure out how yeah. it had a cause and effect. But yeah, by the that's way, very yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, so, uh, great question, Stevie. So Thank apparently, you. the um, sump pumps were uh, it was invented back in 1946. Oh. Uh, and so, uh, only if houses were built on the flood plains were they being used typically until the 80s mm-hmm. and then the 80s they just became a more common feature of homes uh just as a, a you know a, an, another safety mechanism for your home so uh that's that's uh, you know and that's in my vast amount of approximately 90 seconds of internet research so there, there you, you go. go 
that makes me an expert, of course. <laughs> but the uh, interwebs of knowledge. You know, there are there are situations uh, with existing homes that can create all of a sudden you're starting maybe to see a little bit of seepage in a crack or something like that down on the uh, particularly when it's coming in on the from the bottom from the floor crack, not down the, the side. Uh, it might encourage you to. Um, some change in the water table. Maybe somebody's added a lot more concrete that's created a lot more runoff near your home or something like that. Um, then you can get a sump pump added, right? So that's mm-hmm. not, you know, that's certainly something that you can uh, you can consider doing. And, and there, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a plumber or a sump pump expert, uh, but I want to say an aftermarket sump pump is probably a couple thousand dollars installed would be my guess. Maybe a little bit more since prices have gone up since I've looked at them. But Well, and looking on the interwebs, there are about a thousand articles on how to install a sump pump yeah. not that i'm going to recommend that because oh, i think it's DIY. quite a bit more complicated yeah, you, than that but. you got to understand concrete work at that point right <laughs> potentially some houses actually have the hole for the sump and, and the builder then, yeah. didn't install the right. sump so yeah, that's true i think in some new construction homes depending on your price point that may be an option and again just depends on the levels you could always have um you know someone look at that a surveyor engineer you're going to have lots of experts in that process that you want to rely on to know whether you need to spend that extra 500 to 1000 dollars probably depending on a lot of different factors yeah and usually you can pull up a lid of a sump pump well and look down in it unless uh, your house has been treated for radon, and then they will have sealed it. And so then if you need to get into it, you'll need to break. It's usually just like a silicon bead or something. Mm-hmm. So you'll just have to cut that away and then re-silicon it at some point. It's not a big deal. So there's your April showers version of right. sump pumps in the home. Any, anything else? I have Any- a question. Yes, ma'am. Do sump pumps kick on, say my bathroom flooded in the basement? Would the sump pump kick on for that, or is it only water that's underneath? Probably if foundation. it got over to that sump pit. Right. If it starts drawing into the pit, uh, mm-hmm. that'll fill it up and kick it on. But you're right. It's only the water that's you know underneath the, the concrete, so down into the pit. The okay. drain tile that goes around your house is frequently tied into that. And so right. the water comes from that particular area. When the water level rises at your foundation and it goes into that sump pit, then it kicks on to throw that water out. Right. Okay. So if you've got a flood in your basement that's pouring into the sump pit, yeah, it'll kick on. And start running it out. So, hmm. um, and but if you uh, if you're not familiar with them, you move into a house that has one for the first time, and it's raining outside, and all of a sudden you hear. And I'm surprised because it's been running off and on. So I'm surprised uh, that in the ten minutes so far of this podcast, it hasn't kicked on. But when it does, I'll be like, "Up oh, there's the sump pump." <laughs> and you know, our home inspector, we we like to use a pro the majority of the time, mm-hmm. and he does a great job, kind of going over some of those Brandon features, and they and, give you yeah. a. a you know, little summary, and it also comes in kind of what you want to call the manual with your home inspection, sure. just things to do, things to check. And, you know, it's not a bad idea to check your sump pump. It's something that they go over in a home inspection and pouring the water into it to see if it will kick on, to see if it's functioning, um, to see if that's working correctly is not a bad thing to do right now if you do have a sump pump, just because we are going into the April showers, bring May flowers. That's right. Yeah. Um, other things to look at, make sure your gutters are cleaned. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure your downspouts. blocks and downspouts, yeah, down, yes. Yeah, downspouts aren't, you know, didn't get bent by a lawnmower running into or something. And make sure they're extended away from the foundation. Um, and then the splash blocks, some kind of mechanism to keep it from creating a rut in your yard. Uh, all of those things are good things to check right now. Those mm-hmm. are a really odd item that I find frequently on my rental properties that are missing. 
And I'm one that checks them almost every year. We do a walk around and do air conditioners, clean those out, all kinds of things we do. But consistently, I will notice that splash blocks are missing. And I don't know if kids eat them or what happens, (laughs) but um, it's kind of like mini blinds. Mini blinds are another thing that kind of dumbfound me. It's like I've had mini blinds uh, throughout the course of my life and never had them look like they were totally chewed up and spit out. But um, I see that a lot, interestingly enough. I think that's, well, you know what? I think that might be dogs. Yeah, a lot of people. I have those as well. Dogs, cats, horses. I don't expect my horses chewing them up. And here's what I found. A lot of people, particularly with smaller breed dogs, they love to go look out the windows kind of like cats do. And I think the smaller breed dogs might be a little more destructive. So they, they create, like, get up on the back of the couch or they create scenarios to get the dogs to the windows. And I think that's how that happens. At any rate, check your splash blocks. For some reason, they like to go missing, whether the kids eat them or the adults eat them. I don't know, but Maybe somehow the, they go missing. Yeah, lawnmower went over. If it's a plastic one, tore them up and they threw them away or Maybe. something. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, all great things for you to get out and do this month. Get out and do that. Uh, let's talk about the market. Um, and so, first of all, the, the immediate trends, which are uh, just challenging, is a nice way to say that. And then what might, might be happening uh, uh, and, and what we've seen some trends over the last couple of months in terms of inventory and sales. And so what might be happening uh, that people will use scary words, but actually might end up being a good thing. So first of all, the market um, in, in every economic category, but particularly in the category that we would call affordable homes, which I don't know, uh, we've tried to define it. Nobody really can. But let's in this city say, uh, 275 and last 300 and last something like that. The market is still um, to um, let's see what's the technical term. I think the techni- fire running down the street. I oh, was hot. I was going to say batshit crazy. Uh, I think might be the technical term. That's a technical term. Yeah, um, it's still really aggressive. I mean, we're still seeing. I was at I was at a showing yesterday. I was showing a, a, um, some clients a home. The home was listed at 195 thousand. Because of just my previous appointments, I got there early. It just made better sense than going back to the office. And uh, I, so I sat in front of the house uh, responding to emails and whatnot for 30 minutes. And it, and it was the first day on the market. And in that 30 minutes, I swear to goodness, there were eight families through. Oh, yeah. Eight in 30 minutes. It was just absolutely. And that's what we've seen because we're looking in that, you know, 190 to 240, 250 range. So we have a lot of flexibility, but everything we've been to has been like that. Well, and Eric, I know we talked briefly about pending home sales nationally. They're starting to talk about the decline, which could be tied to a lot of things, right? It could be applied applied to this continual decrease in supply. Well, I mean, that's Obviously, ultimately... if we don't have supply, we're not going to have pending home sales. I think there's a little more of a balancing maybe going on nationally. However, I took a look at our local numbers, and we're not seeing that same trend. Well, we so s- we're, in February... And, and even county to county, it's honestly very different. Like Platte County, for example, is um, double the lower number in closed sales. It's it's at about 11% negative. And if you look on Clay County, just county to county line right here, it's only 5% negative. So, so what that means is um, February has 11 or 5% fewer home sales than February last year. Mm-hmm. And our initial reaction to that is is because low inventory. There just aren't as many house homes on the market. And when there aren't as many homes on the market, there won't be as many sales. However... 
right? Nationally in particular, the trends are that pending sales have been going down for some time. And so what that might indicate might is a slowdown. And that's a scary word. Slowdown is bad. And I'm going to tell you right now, slowdown in real estate right now is really good. <laughs> well, and actually, again, in our area, I just referred to the closed sales. Yeah. If we look at our pending yeah, sales what's our pending in sales? Platte County, we actually year to date are up 2.5%. Wow. So we've actually probably created some supply in this area. What about Jackson um, and Johnson County? I'll have to look. But Clay is also up 1.9%. Because not of our, all of our listeners live north, right? Right. Bounce down to uh, Jackson County, Missouri. We are experiencing negative 25.8% in inventory. So a significant wow. drop um, over last year. We'd still oh, have- in inventory. Ooh, wow. We still have a slight increase in pending home sales, though. So that means so three point one percent in February and year to date, still a positive one percent. So, so we're we're a little bit different than the national average, which is pretty common for the Midwest. We love being different in the Midwest, don't we? That's why we tell everybody come here and live because it's an amazing place. But we are just a little bit different than the national. So that Jackson County statistic says we have less homes available, yet more or, or uh, by by twenty five percent, but. Year to date, mm-hmm. home sales are down just three percent. You said uh, pending, pending sales are, down are up. Up, so we have 3%. more percent, more sales or more pending sales with twenty five percent less homes, which indicates why the market's nuts. What about Johnson County, Kansas? Johnson County, Kansas. Right, that's the other up. big county here. Let me flip our... my screen. I had all these little screenshots going right. on here. Okay. Johnson County, we are looking at a negative 25% in supply. Right. 0.4 negative, so barely negative on the pending yeah. sales in February. Year to date, negative 9.9%. So, and that's pretty much what that's we have sales, experienced. Sales 9.9? Uh, that was the pending sales. Yeah. We're negative nine. And you know, Eric, that's kind of what we experienced. Eric's still helping a buyer in Johnson County. Yeah. I helped a buyer in Johnson County just about a month ago, and hopefully we'll have them as a guest because they were a totally virtual buyer. Um, but the market over there is a just, lot more haywire than even the market that I just talked about in the Clay or Platte County area. But Jackson County is equally as haywire, according to those numbers. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Right. So what we're seeing is, right, in the metro area, we're seeing a decrease in the number of homes, and yet a less of a decrease or even a very slight increase in the number of sales year over year. So when we talked about the market being kind of really tough in terms of a lot of competition for every home that's out there, because that, that's what this translates to for our listeners when you're buying a home, is a lot of competition for the same homes. It's getting it's even worse now, although we're hoping that that national trend will start indicating, and, and the news media will use terms like slowdown and dropping and all of this kind of stuff. It's really trying to get us back to something that isn't this, this crazy market. Because if you're working with buyers or if you're a buyer, the reality is it's tough right now and you're going to have to kind of get out there and take a lot of swings. And we know that that's tough on people to be honest, emotionally, more, as much as anything. And in full transparency, that is tough on a seller, too. While it sounds all unicorns and rainbows to have 10 offers to sit down and review, think about the decision that a seller, especially a homeowner, has to make. They have to pick who they're going to sell their home to. And theoretically, they may be picking on price or conditions or anything else. But there's actually been a trend to not sell to investors. There is a growing group of people that do not want to sell homes to investors because of you know some of the different different trends coming in, hedge funds, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
that is very difficult for a seller as well to think about going through 10 offers and everything else. It's great in terms of dollars and cents theoretically, but it still is a little bit more stressful to have 100 people coming through your house in one day. It, it is. And, and working with, um, you know, be, being a listing agent, as, you, as we all are, all three of us are for, for various clients, I agree with you. It's harder, but let's be honest. It is for most of them. It's the prep that anybody goes through. It's one horrific weekend and one set of decisions. It's not taking swing after swing after swing on home. So it Agree, just, but it just, just isn't saying, as hard. It isn't as hard theoretically, but it's still the market being so far out of whack is is hard on your realtor. It's hard on your clients. And so a little more bit more of a balance as we find in most things, whether we're eating you know, <laughs> 500,000 calories in a day, not good for you. A little bit more moderation. Good thing, right? Exercise, moderation. Don't go balls to the walls, like exhausting yourself what every this, day. What is like, this exercise you speak of? Oh, I'm against that. Stop <laughs> it. He, Eric knows he's going to break into that. Y'all, you need to hold him accountable if you're a listener. <laughs> Eric's going to be getting a personal trainer at some I am, juncture. I am exercising three times a week right now. Very See? serious He's going to keep with this so. trend, y'all. It's called physical therapy. And, and he's going to keep it up. He's they kick my butt. My exercise is three boys. And <laughs> I'm still chunky, so it's not working. Uh, While we're on the statistics, I yeah. want to point out the HMLS area, which encompasses about 40 counties, just to kind of give yeah, a little bit goes, more of a broad perspective yeah. since we did some micro perspectives. I want to talk about the supply overall in the 40 counties being down in February by 30%. However, the pending home sales still went up 7.2%. Now, we don't have uh, the year-to-date supply. More people put their houses on the market. Well, no, if inventory's down, less people are putting their house on the market. I'm sorry, supply. Um, Inventory was 26.5. But when we look at year-to-date, we don't have those numbers year-to-date. I just have those numbers for February published by them. Um, But the pending sales overall in the 40 counties only decreased by 1.2%. So, I mean, it's it's pretty close. However, in a balanced market, we're looking at about six months of inventory for this area. That's a balanced market is when we have approximately six months of inventory. And we are like on the cusp of 0.00. Well, we even talk about it, balanced market being as low as three months of inventory. And we haven't been there for years. No, yeah, several years. Does that say the average amount of days that homes are on the market? Um, yes, it does, as a matter of fact. I was going to say, I've, the, that's statistics around uh, somewhere. Days on market until sale is about 30 days. Uh, it's actually Until sale. Yeah. Yeah, until closing. Uh, average days on market until sale. That's what they have in here. Okay, so, so average day on market is probably zero to one. Actually, no, I, saw, I saw it just the other day, and I don't remember if it was local or national, but it was something like, like 10 or 11. Now, I have to tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you listeners, First of all, uh, very seldom does a home go off the market same day, mainly because it's typically in your client's best interest to get offers for more than a day. So even the ones that are have acceptable offers in day one, frequently they're on the market for three or four days pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you know the ones that go instantaneously, you hear that story from your neighbor, really technically were on the market for four days. And then there's lots of properties that, you know, distressed properties, et cetera, that people overpriced properties. So at 10 or 11 days, it's just ridiculously small. I want to say the average, I think, uh, pre-pandemic was closer to 28 or something, maybe even longer. And we've been in a seller's market. 
Yeah. So that's just how even, nuts this market is. Even just when I first got licensed <clears throat> and Jen was showing me all the ropes, I remember we'd see a house in MLS somebody would want to look at and they're like, oh, it's been listed 25 days. They should be able to negotiate price get seller bit. paid closing costs what are those yeah. when was the last yes. time we heard a seller paid closing right. costs? now you see something listed longer than five days and you know like, that oh, something's wrong with it i'm i may talk to our data team at hmls to see if we can actually produce something that looks at seller paid closing costs that would just be an interesting statistic because that used to be Common. Kind of the norm, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So a seller um, selling their home would compensate the buyer in some fashion for part of their closing <laughs> cost, which could be loan cost or title cost or prepaids, whatever you want to put into that bucket there. They used to compensate them. And I'd say the average was around $5,000 that the seller would give the buyer approximately $5,000 in closing costs. Pretty round number to use. Mm -hmm. I don't know the last time that I saw something like that. Yeah. I, I guarantee you it's been at least two years, maybe I, three. I haven't certainly put it on a Yeah, Eric probably and... hasn't really seen that since you've only been in the market a few years. You probably yeah. haven't seen it. No, I really mean, I, we did it. it. I've done it with several clients, but not recently, not in the last year. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I, I don't even know if two years. So yeah. oh, no, interesting, I, I think, uh, interesting statistic. I just yeah. might uh, reach out and see if we, there it is. Yeah, there we go. If you guys can hear that. Whoop. That's that's the sump pump. Here, hang on a minute. Let's see if we can get the backwash. I can hear it. It may be a little soft for everybody else here, that little cutoff. <laughs> I, I didn't so. hear it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting right here. Um, so, yeah, the, this, this is interesting. So what we're saying is, is from two months ago, the market has not significantly changed. It is still very much this crazy seller's market. It is still very much typically multiple offers in any home, certainly any home that doesn't require a ton of repairs. And I actually, we saw a home that uh, was being sold as is that clearly had significant foundation issues and they got multiple offers. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of, now this might be, and could say distressing to potential buyers. And, 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 I guess at some level it is. It's going to be a tough market to enter into. I don't want to be. I don't want to sugarcoat it or anything. Well, and we oh. talk to our clients about what their goals are and try and get people prepared correctly for this market. But let's look at it this way: it's an adventure, friends. It's a little bit of a rough adventure, but you know, it's a journey, and anything worth doing isn't always easy. Well, it, it, the other thing is, is it's just the nature of the process has changed, and so you just sort of have to realign yourself. Going, okay, look. This is not going to be going in and power negotiating and trying to get, you know, the extra $75 here and $200 here. This is going to be how do I compete with other buyers? So Highest just, and best. Just the nature of the process has changed, right? The, the, the theory that you're going to put in an offer and somebody's going to call you back and negotiate – that doesn't mm, or even let you know or so even let you know unfortunately yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah we don't want to talk too bad about other realtors okay yeah I do but <laughs> Eric's had a recent situation I've, it's happened several times I um, there are 14,000 realtors in the area so we just have to be you know right. observant of all of that but anyway um, yeah so the, the process gets a, a it's a different process than maybe you were expecting if you haven't been in the market for a while so make sure that you have a good agent who's sitting you down and saying, look, here's what's likely to happen in the process. And here's what's different. You know, what are your expectations? And then hear what may be different in today's market. Ultimately, it's just a different game you're playing. Right. And once you understand that, I don't know that it's that terrible.
Uh, but you have to kind of maybe shift your expectations. Right. I right. feel like recently there's been a couple people I talked to. The other day, one was my neighbor. He's in no hurry to move anytime soon. He's got two kids in high school. But eventually, when they're all out of school, he's going to move. But he said he's waiting for the market to crash and dump. <laughs> what is the likelihood of that happening again? Slim to none. We're at the lowest point in history of foreclosures and defaults. I think, yeah, I think slim to none and slim left town. There we go. Um, <laughs> Slim left yeah. so, Slim Jim, step into it. Slim's gone. Yeah. So, um, the, the, there is just no evidence from a foreclosure standpoint, which is really what created the problem, and then bad lending, which is what created the foreclosure problem in 2008. None of that is going on. Um, there is... Uh, no, we have been saying in the Midwest for, I don't know, I want to say 20 years or more, that at some point there might be a market adjustment in values in the Midwest because we're so far behind the coasts. Well, that is happening to a certain extent because valuation is going up in the Midwest big, st- faster than it is the coasts, but we're not caught up by any stretch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, we're not going to be in, in my career. Um, so it, it, I think, unfortunately, what, what will happen is eventually the market will slow down and we'll get all of these terms that try to scare people and we'll get closer to that level market where there's enough inventory and there's not people pouncing on homes and offering over, et cetera, et cetera. So to that extent, if you're comfortable waiting, there might be not be as much competition. But what we do know is home values are going to continue to rise, which means the prices will go up. We know that interest rates, so mortgage rates, are going to continue to go up up for the foreseeable future. I think we may be as high as six by the end of the year. Uh, We'll certainly be over five. Uh, And the Fed, you know, just announced another raise and said there are more coming. So those will all trickle into mortgage rates. So there are a lot of arguments for not waiting. Um, And then, to be honest, if you're going to sell and buy, if you're selling you want the best price, a frenzy will create it, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to chum the water. And so if you can stand the market, you might be better off in terms of getting the strongest offer now um, as opposed to having to wait more than a weekend if you have a you know a nice quality house. And, you know, that's where I think our team is really great is we've got a lot of opportunities in this particular area to help people land themselves for three to six months Um, it may cost you a little bit more in terms of rent right now as well but if you can really really capitalize on getting that and then getting that money in the bank and then focusing on your buy side you're doing yourself a pretty good justice i think in terms of peace and peace of mind because it is a little challenging to juggle you just need to mentally prepare yourself we're very experienced at that and there are a lot of realtors that are very experienced in that as always we just encourage you to make sure it's somebody that you feel comfortable with that you can work with and do your due diligence on selecting the person to help you with this juggle as it is because you're going to be throwing balls in the air and you want someone to help you catch them yeah, no, I agree. Um, and and uh, now, probably more than ever, uh, it's really important that you have an agent who knows what's going on in the market, who can educate you about what's going on, and then um, really understand and help protect your interests Not uh, when it comes to uh, what's going on with housing, um, temporary housing, being strong at negotiating things like um, longer possession times, et cetera. So yeah, you really want to have a realtor who knows what they're doing anytime. Got to have a coach in your corner. In, in this market, it's just absolutely critical. So again, if you're not using one of the three of us on the Dream Homes by Jen team, 
then then make sure you're using somebody who's equally as good. So. Ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Questions are always good to make you feel comfortable and make sure that they are helping you understand um, anything. And so don't be afraid of that. All right. I've got a crazy story in real estate that that uh, relates to sump pumps. So I've been saving it for the end here. Okay. So um, I was, we were, this was, this was last spring. So this was a year ago. Uh, we were in a home touring it and there was no uh, well cover on the sump pump, which is, you know, common and not common, but it happens. It happens. And uh, walk over to the sump pump and I had my little flashlight with me because it was kind of dark in this area of the basement and shine it down. And staring up at us is this huge snake. It was a four foot snake coiled up. That's not huge, Eric. That's okay. <laughs> huge snake for an urban guy. I think Eric's perception of the snake and the actual length of the snake might be different. I, I think just being startled by the snake, really. Uh, and and it was. Oh my god. It was a typical garden snake, like a gar, gar, garter garden snake. snake. Garden snake. Garden snake. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Uh, so that's what it was because I, I took a picture of it and looked it up. And I, and I, but it just startled Long me. Long yellow stripe. But it was. On him. I, I've always seen those, and they've been a foot, a foot and a half, a big one. So and you got to watch out for the bigger ones because actually those bigger ones are more aggressive than those little ones. They're mean snakes. It was, yeah. They're not poisonous, but they are mean when they get big. So anyway. No idea why that happens to I, those types of snakes, I, but the bigger ones are more aggressive. I'm not saying what happened because they're, the, the clients were not, I was ahead of them looking around the house. They were in a different room, but there might have been a girlish scream. And you know, <laughs> just saying there was a little startleness there, but hey, you know what? If, if All the more reason for people to check their sump pumps out, right, Eric? If, if, if a guy jumps back and, Don't want that snake and, and to come up in your screams bed. in fright oh and God. nobody is there to see it, did it really happen? That's my question. So. Yeah, I'm all, I think I'm the only one that's not that freaked out by snakes. I mean, it just happens. You, you always want to see the snake first, though, right? Yes, yes. Like, that's the thing yeah. is you just want to see the snake first. You don't want the snake to you, see you. You don't want to go, ow, what bit me? Ow! <laughs> yeah, because they're still snakes. toxic, not poisonous, especially those types, and we don't have a ton of poisonous snakes here but yeah well but yeah all the the infection and all that yeah that they got happen, nasty nasty mouse so, there you I have go copperheads at my house yeah i don't like them nope <laughs> those are not good snakes. other snakes uh, they don't bother me yep all right everybody that's what's going on in the market today thanks for listening uh if you ever <laughs> want to get a hold of any of us of course you can check us out at uh dream homes by den dream homes by gen.com we'll try to get out that uh my name, of course, is Eric Jurgensen. You can reach me at 816 uh, I'm sorry, 816-401-3121. Call Eric or text. forgot his number. I oh did. Oh, Lord. I'm Jen, 816-405-2439. Call or text. And Stevie, 816-596-91. Ah, there you go. Call or text, right? Of course. Call or whatever you guys need to do. We'll communicate in your fashion. Uh, hope you're out there really surviving this real estate market. If you need some help, uh, give us or another great agent a call. Until next time. Bye. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.